This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening. It's Wednesday. It's 10 o'clock, and it's time for the Late Late Chat Show with me, Toby Paincook, and my excellent friend, Ed Finch. This week, we're basking in the bewildered glory of being the most downloaded show on Teachers Talk Radio in January, I think. It's going to be a busy show. We're talking about persistent myths. We're talking about... This oh yes, is Teachers is. Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, Ed. Hey, good evening. How are you, sir? Very fine. I'm very fine. It was lovely. It was lovely to have a pre-production catch up with you um, an hour and a half ago. And um, we're such absolute professionals, isn't it? We don't just like log on and start winging it. No, it's all pla- it's scripted. The fact that we sound so much like we're making it up as we go along—that's just a testament to our broadcasting skills because it's actually been scripted. It is. It is indeed. It's, it's, <laughs> even the laughing is it? I, I yeah, just yeah. told myself. I mean, little, to that laugh bit, it sounds a little bit fake. That that was a little bit toast of London. That was. But you know, you're doing a good job, though. I think. Keep it up. Keep it up. Good. Are we going to have any fleecy, fleecy feedbacky moments this week with your with your fleece? Well, or I'm your jumper? Different... I think you're sounding. You're sounding quite clear at the moment. Am I? Well, I am wearing a fleece, so if it becomes problematic at any time, I can remove the fleece. I can remove the shirt. I know there was a little frease on. I was told a little frease on when I when I offered the other week to uh, <laughs> to you know to just for the sound quality, Toby. Just for the sound quality, I thought you know if it's what's going to help to make this program go even more over the top, you know, even even to right the very tops of the download charts. If yes, if that's what's needed. It's fine. I can remove my, remove my shirt. I can remove my trousers. I'm going to keep and, my socks on because it's damn cold in my house. But yes. you know, you've got to know just, where to stop, haven't you? Just be careful of the murkin. Anyway, um, <laughs> we've got Lucy in the in the live room. Um, good know, evening yeah. to Lucy. She's always here. I think she listened to Alex earlier on. We've got also Heaven San. Hello, Heaven San. Good mm. evening, Lucy. Lucy, you are so dedicated to our show, and and I know to Alex's earlier on as well. But, you um, know, great. Want, you know, it's great to greet those people who are sitting there in the room. But I just think we need to make a shout out to the people who are listening to us cooking the dinner. You know, yes, tomorrow. There's people listening to us tomorrow, right now. You know, yeah, you know, that's a good point. People listening to us next Tuesday. In fact, amazing. F- possibly 421 people listening to us at some point. 421 visits. I'm wondering if it's visits. 421 okay. individual people. You, do you think they listen to the first line and our scripted laughs and then think, <laughs> well, I'm yeah, not listening not. to these people anymore? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I won't. They were looking for Russell Brand. They stumbled across us. They thought, just for a moment, maybe this is what... Oh, no, they said. Um, I think... I think, um, yeah, no, good point. So all of you who have some sort of sensible sleep regime, who are listening back when you're cooking tomorrow, when you're running tomorrow, uh, when you're when you're not finding any better podcasts to listen to, um, then thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all. Um, I'd just like to say, Ed, quickly, before we move on to the main feature of the show, have you got, has anything exciting happened in your week at work or at home? Anything to report? 
I don't think, you know, the most exciting thing that's happened in months was crashing my car last week, which was the oh. reason, ladies and gentlemen, I wasn't here. I don't know if that story I missed you. on missed the you la- I missed Sorry? you last week. Missed you last week. Oh, well, week. I missed you, but it was an odd thing. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I, I sort of, I killed my car on the way back from work, limped is it, is it a writ- Is it a write-off? But it wouldn't be if it was worth anything, you know. <laughs> was, oh, I see. Oh, it's worth, I see. According to uh, webuyanycar.com, they reckon it's worth about 600 and it would definitely cost most of that to get it fixed from my small crash. And then it does need two back tyres and then it does need an MOT. And I just think at some oh. point you have to harden your heart, don't you? Stop throwing Oh, dear, that's sad. I, yeah, I've met your polo. I've met your polo. Anyway, oh, dear. Well, anyway, it's great to have you back. Missed you last week. Thanks very much again to Alex for, for um, filling in for 15, 20 minutes so that people didn't have to just listen to me for <sighs> all of the all the whole hour. But thank you anyway. And um, I just want to mention that I had a little bit of a treat on Saturday Did night. You? Went up what to London Town, met a couple of friends, went to the British Film Institute on the South Bank, never been before. I've been oh, to the South Bank many times. Yeah, and BFI under the bridge there. Love it. Yeah, love it. And I went to see, watch a screening of yeah. Jay Dames, David Bowie, David Bowie, 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 yeah. um, headline set from Glastonbury in 2000. I was having a bit of a Bowie moment. So that was lovely. And I wasn't there at Glastonbury in 2000. My two friends who I went to watch it with were. And um, I'd obviously seen it before on iPlayer, but it was just lovely. Great, great evening out in a in a... Yeah. In a Dry January London evening. It was With lovely. Friends, with friends, human beings in an actual room. Yeah, that it's good. Like heaven. I mean, sounds like heaven. Good yeah. evening, Miss Sorcher, as well. Um, good evening, Tim Commando, Kem Commando, um, Tim Michael. Right. Anyway, we yeah. better get on. We better get on with our tight schedule. There's a lot we want to talk about this week. Lots I don't think about. we're going to pack it all in. I think we might have to have a follow-up session next okay. week. But I'm just looking, you know, I'm, I hang on. I'm trying to be professional here. I'm failing <laughs> dismally. Um, I always forget. There we go. Tweet of the week. Um, yeah. I'm rubbish at this. I, I, I look at, I see tweets and I just put them in my bookmarks and I don't make any decisions. And no. so I've got loads of stuff. And in the last half an hour, due to your tweet on the Twitter sphere, there've been a few more come in, including some limericks, clean and unclean. Um, <laughs> and so um, have you got any, you know, three tweets that you'd like to share, Ed, anything you know, you've caught? Well, you know, I, the one that made me snigger the most is, yes. this week was Rosie Holtz. Um <laughs> Now, Rosie Holt always makes me smile. Of she's course. good. If you haven't found her on the Twitters, people, she's one to look out. She does these really deadpan, um, uh, you know, parody characters of, uh, you know, Tory wives and uh, junior ministers and things. And almost invariably, people will comment completely missing that it's uh, that it's a parody and criticising her for her views. But um, this week, well, I mean, you don't have to be particularly radical politically to think it's been a bit of a dog's dinner do you no no it's complete dog's dinner um i I mean i think i think i think i have to say i mean i think it's absolutely outrageous the lack of integrity the dishonesty everything however i do feel a birthday cake in a room that you're probably having a lot of meetings in 
I'm not that fired up about that one. I'm fired up about some of the other stuff. I'm fired up about some yeah. of the other stuff. Well, it's but just, the... and another one, and another one. And another one, and another one. Anyway, another one. She, um, she quote tweeted um, a screenshot of, of, the, uh, of the man from saying, well, he, as far as I can see, he was in a sense ambushed with a cake. Uh, yes. And she, she just says, oh, no, I can't top this. I think satire is dead, isn't it? <laughs> satire is dead. When somebody can claim the excuses that somebody was ambushed by ambushed with a cake, you, you, we're, we're done and dusted here. We don't, need, um, we don't need spitting image. That's, that's the reason spitting image, the, the sort of comeback season that was on a few months ago, it was just very boring and not funny at all. The reason was that the, the, the politicians had gone far further than the comedians had ever tried to. Absolutely, so, it's, it's, just, it was, it's, it's basically we've gone beyond satire. We're just going to tell the public straight to their faces. Yeah, yeah, he was ambushed with a cake, and uh, and we're going to expect to get away with it, are we? Yeah, I know, I know. I'm good. I'm seeing some more. I know, I know. We've it's all about the downloaders, you know, who listen when they're running. But I think I'm not <laughs> sure I've seen him in the live room before. But Maxim Kelly is in the house, oh, so good he? evening oh, to Maxim. Max. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 a he's a loyal follower of my ramblings on the Twitter sphere. Um, but, good man, Max. Um, up on the Isle of Man. Um, Jolly good man. Twitch. I've met him in real life, you know, not on the Isle of Man. I've you have. You've there. met I'd lots of people in real life. Um, and good evening, Joe. You and I. I want to give actually, whilst I remember, um, I think. She mentioned to I want to give a shout out this week to Rachel Ross. A shout out to Rachel Ross. I don't think she's in the live room, but but uh, anyway, um, can I do some a couple of serious education tweets first? Oh, yeah, before... do that, and then I'll do one of the beautiful poems I've collected this week. Good man. So what Good man. So your your boss, Ed Dan Morrow. I I thought Him? this was absolutely lovely. Um, he writes very well in, 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 in 280 characters. It is an utter privilege to serve in education, remembering that it is a, it is a job, not life. Mm. Understanding that we should give, but withhold what is needed. Knowing that our impact is immeasurable, but our legacy is personal. Growing, evolving, becoming our best selves. That's a nice tweet, isn't it? I, I thought it was a lovely, lovely oh, sentiment, a lovely message, okay. and... and um, Great collection of words. I'm going to do also um, Hamish Smith, Jane Manzoni, who yeah. was my introduction to this, this show. She's been on fire on Twitter this week. I mean, <laughs> she's, she's, she's quite antagonistic. She's, she's quite antagonistic. Up the hornet's nest. Yeah. She has been stirring up the hornet's nest. But, but I yeah. do like this one. Yeah. Developing a strong personal philosophy about what education is and what it is for, alongside cultivating the ability to reflect critically on outcomes, should be central to all training. Without it, a teacher's practice will be rudderless and at the mercy mm. of every passing edu fad. I thought that was good. Right. And I really liked Martin Robinson's Trivium at Trivium 21C. Um, <clears throat> Martin Robinson, I can't help but think that people who believe a few more GCSEs for the poor will transform social mobility in the UK are deluded. Um, and I actually retweeted that. I think, I can't remember, I said something like Martin's managed to say in one tweet what I've been rambling about in about a 100 in about 10,000 tweets and um, gosh knows how many meandering blogs. So I thought that was good. I mean, I, you know, I think, yes, that's, that's something for discussion another time, but I think that's those was, those were three quite sort of seriously education ones. Oh, and can I just say one more James 
Duran or Duran, James Duran, English teacher, like him. Um, I don't know him, but I like him. And in tweets about the fads that have been forced on them in the past, please can people stop lumping together things like group work with VAK or VAC? One is a perfectly legitimate strategy if used properly. The other is bollocks. And I like saying the word bollocks. So well done, James. Thank you. I think James is absolutely right. There's a huge amount of... I, I think maybe quite deliberate throwing out of babies with bath water. So mm, you're allowed mm. to blame brain gym and vac. You know, if you put them in a sentence, then anything that goes in a sentence with them gets uh, gets thrown out too. And you can you can do that quite purposefully, I think. And some people might. Yes. Um, so my last tweet of the week. Um, um, I don't know if you know the poet Liz Brownlee. She's got a new book out um, alongside a couple of other poets, which will be worth looking at if you're a primary school teacher and you like using poetry to look at thoughts and and emotions and stuff, which poetry does well. It's not the only thing poetry does well, but they've got a new book out together. That's Liz Brownlee, Matt Goodfellow and Laura Mutcher, three people I have a lot of time for. It's a new book called Being Me, Thoughts, uh, Poems About Thoughts, Worries and Feelings. I could have chosen any number of uh, poems out of the book, but Liz has helpfully tweeted a few of them and so one by matt goodfellow who if you want to meet him on twitter tweets as at early train but he's matt goodfellow in real life i like this poem it's called a thought i wish mum's sadness was a necklace she could unclasp from her throat in the cool bedroom dark and drop carelessly into a mirrored box in the morning she'd throw back the curtains open the box see her sadness and say I choose not to need to wear you today. That would be lovely, oh. wouldn't it? If you could just decide that today was the day you were going to leave your sadness behind or your grief behind yeah. or whatever it is and go out and not wear that one. Maybe wear it later. Maybe wear it at the weekend. Um, yeah. He does beautiful. He, Matt is such a clever, clever poet. He puts his finger on usually, you know, because he writes for children mostly, usually on children's emotions. Very, very accurately, but very, very gently. So I think as a child, I would, I wouldn't feel my being pointed at. I would feel I was being recognised. I think you're you're extremely passionate, and and I don't really like the word passionate, but you are extremely knowledgeable and enthusiastic about poetry. Um, you you is that is that through teaching, or have you studied it a lot in the past, or is it just past, well, or is it a personal I have interest? A degree in English literature and language. I thought you did. That's what I did. I didn't... You know, but yeah. no. I mean, the, the stuff I love. I mean, I, I do I do read quite a lot of poetry. My interest in children's poetry is because I just think it um, it's such a great tool for getting into the conversation with children in a way that uh, you know, when done well. You know, I remember uh, my my head teacher used to tell stories about children with problems, and if yeah. he came close to one of my problems, and I had a few, I would feel got at and badgered and worried and scared. Uh, that's because he was doing that, you know, telling those stories in such a way that I felt, you know, what if I'm being exposed here? And yeah. I think uh, when Matt writes a poem and Liz does too, and Laura in this book, chock full of great stuff, you don't feel that because they talk very personally. I think. And you recognise yourself in them. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, I love uh, poetry for its own sake. And then I also love it as a great tool for working with kids. And um... uh, Yeah, I think, you see, that's what I feel. I, I, I kind of got get more into that sort of shades of grey that literature mm-hmm. and philosophy and stuff provide more so than science. And, and I've been having, I mean, 
you know, I wouldn't say a dark night of the soul moment because I've mm. still got lots of personal stuff to sort out before I sort out what sort of teaching, what sort of age children and what sort of subject and stage and stuff I want to do for the next 10, 15 years of my working life. But um, I, I do sometimes think I find it frustrating because basically I enjoy open-endedness and I enjoy getting people to children to think whether you know and and teaching science in upper key stage two and key stage three you know there's so many facts and yes you can do a bit of thinking but there's also just a lot of facts in the in the curriculum in the national curriculum and and it's not you know I, I get frustrated by that and so and I tend to sometimes go off on one a little bit and then you know don't actually teach the children what it is they need to learn in order to get a score that pleases them and their parents in the uh, next assessment or whatever it is yeah. so um and so you know that, that sort of slight looseness and openness of poetry or or actually it's not really about the age or the intellect of the children you teach it's more I think about the, the subject matter that one teaches and I think I think even though science is a deeply intellectual subject at and beyond university um, it's it's just a bit too rigid I find and I'm, I'm frustrated by that anyway that's a little digression but a little yeah. insight into my soul um, yeah. um, on tweets of the week I know we, I'm running over my our designated schedule here from our very important pre-production meeting earlier on but on the subject of poetry, uh, Nick Wood, our professor of and researcher, chief researcher for Tweet of the Week, mm. he came in late with um, forwarding something. Hang on a minute, I've lost it now. Yes. James Hanskin. Yeah, James Hanskin. Strange and lovely little bit of poetry there, yeah. That's right. Shall I read it out? My mum is like a haiku in the rain with a surrealist mode of making rhyme and dogmatic approach to marking time. Syllabic content syllabic content counting keeps her sane gnomic musing keeps poetry in spain with flamenco beat and rough rioca wine the feet iambic all throughout the line <laughs> mm. he had fun that was writing good. that didn't he he had fun, he had fun that. writing he had that fun reading it none of us know what he means <laughs> no absolutely absolutely <laughs> what are you talking about no idea but it's jolly and fun. um i shouted out rachel earlier on and then she sent this just mm. Rachel Ross uh, just flicked through the TV and caught the Da Vinci Code scene where the monk self-flagellates, which reminded me that it's high time I joined in a phonics debate on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, good old Rachel. Any, any more? Any more? I'm listening from a tree. I'm stuck in a tree, says the Tea Party, whoever the Tea Party is. Good evening, Tea Party, you bonkers mm. person. You. Um, Ed, you got any more tweets of the week quickly? Okay, Anything one else? more. Do you know Chaucer Duff tweet? Chaucer Duff tweet. No, you're Ad wiser than me. GC, uh, lots of great stuff. Medievalist Twitter is the best Twitter. Medievalist, Medievalist Twitter. Twitter. Medievalist Twitter is where it's at. Chaucer okay. Duff tweet. He does a lot of stuff. One thing he, I don't know who he is behind it. I say he may not be he, enjoys rewriting modern things in the language of Chaucer. This one made me smile today. Spiderman, Spiderman, doth all the things and Spider can. Sundry webs he can weaven, thieves like flies he can catch in. Lo, anon cometh Spiderman. There you go, Spiderman <laughs> in the style of Chaucer made me smile a lot. <laughs> Look, if oh. you, yeah, find him. I'll I'll do the retweet on that one right now, so it's at the top of everybody's things, and then just follow that timeline. It may it. it 
<laughs> reliably brightens bad days. That does sound good. That does sound good. Okay, sound effect time. The three most. Ah, now this is a big one. I think it could be a big one. The three most persistent myths about schooling. So last week, without you, Ed, we, I, and talked about, um, talked about kind of, uh, hmm, what do we talk about? We talked about um, the three most pointless pedagogy, pedagogies. Mm. So, um, but this is sort of following on from that, but this is a higher level, really. Um, What is schooling for? Uh, Myths that keep going, that we keep, you know, maintaining the show, the game of education. So um, have you got any opening thoughts on this, Ed? I've got, I've got an awful lot of thoughts on this. And yeah. some of them, I think, being as what they pay me to do is be a, be a head teacher. Yes. <laughs> it's, some of them are a bit, a bit dangerous. It's like a bit like sort of thing. If I speak too honestly here, it'll be a bit like a... a a butcher admitting he's a vegetarian, you know? Oh, yes. Okay. Good point. Good point. Let me just chip in there and caveat. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think we do have to be careful. You certainly have to be slightly more careful than me. But, <laughs> but I have to be careful too. But but I think I think there is a ch- – I suppose some people who listen to our show regularly, mm. on, uh, live or on catch-up, could perhaps perceive me as a cynic, a maverick, a slightly sort of anti our noble profession and i'm not at all i think i think it's noble it's wonderful and and i love being in the classroom with children and and it's 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 a great great thing and there's many many positives Mm. and i think i'm not wanting to be negative here but i think we don't talk about we we sort of skirt over the truth a little bit don't we we? so So what you can you say what can you say wrote her fabulous book seven um, myths. education myths yeah correct and you know yeah. what her seven are yes you know, facts prevent understanding is one she believes is a yeah i don't know what do you think do do we do i'm we could talk about each of these teacher-led instruction is passive was one the 21st century fundamentally changes everything she's talking about you know computers yeah. know it all so we don't need to anymore you can always just look it up we should teach transferable skills um, projects and activities are the best way to learn and teaching knowledge is indoctrination those were her seven myths and you know that book is one of the and absolute, then she explores it yeah yeah was one of the cornerstones of the of, of what is now come to pass and you know very much in the way that Ofsted are looking at learning yeah you know it is this, and i don't i don't disagree with it i don't argue with it i'm happy to enact it but i think that it was really powerful when she wrote that book and it really it was, galvanized it people i think i'd go a bit further and i'd say you know, we, we we have to accept this bit if we're in state schooling and to quite a large extent in independent as well, that that you're gonna have about thirty children sitting in a room and they're gonna face the front and the grown ups gonna talk. And I don't you don't have to be Ken Robinson and talk about factory education to look at that and go, Well that that is not evolutionarily determined is it that's not no it's not going to be the way that humans best learn and then i always say well look at your higher primates look at your you know look at your your gorillas and your bonobos is that how they organize their learning and they go no you get a you get an authentic uh, trusted adult with a very small number of of the young ones sitting and, around in a circle on a bit of carpet you know, maybe a circle much more than rows 
I like, I'm not saying that, that that's the way we would do it, but I mean, you know, a lot of what we do is ritual mm. or it's um, because, you know, economics states that's the way to do it. You know, we bring them together into this one building called the school. You know, in my example, we bring in about 150 into my school, you know, because we, we can't do it in their homes effectively. Um, yeah. We have a, a smaller number of, uh, of adult humans as we can possibly afford enacting it because it has to work economically. And that pushes them into a relationship of about one to about 30 because that's what our society has decided it's prepared to tolerate in terms of the costs. Yeah, and the whole you infrastructure, the whole capital. That that's exactly. the best way to do it. You're like, well, you're starting. You know, we, we have to do it that way. That's the school I run, so I'll do it as best I can. But I don't honestly think that if you were starting from first principles, that's what you would build, is it? No, absolutely. I think that, that I mean, I, I've got that one written down. I think that's the thing is that, that mm. you know, I, I, I think in in the lockdown and online learning you know th there's been a lot of people who've been sort of saying the children learn best in a classroom now mm. I, clearly we don't want children sitting on a screen all day with a teacher yeah. and and no social connection and 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 stuff but but the idea that the classroom and that 1 to 30 ratio is somehow mm best is 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 you know it's it's a bit of a lie it's a bit of a myth it's, it's but, a but, nonsense isn't it it's a it's nonsense, nonsense exactly. but it's what we've got so it's what we've got that you've got 30 children sitting in rows facing the front then we start building up these uh these techniques and these skills and we can look into it and we can yeah. you know we can follow the walkthroughs or we can uh, look at doug lemov if we want to we can say in the circumstances we find ourselves these are things that are working really well but in other circumstances they would work differently um, yeah you know, exactly. and, uh, that's that's fine, but let's just not pretend that we think that this is the way it was always going to be. Cause and I, I, I think I'm I get really torn because I I really like Daisy's book. It was one of the first I, I read that within mm. a month of starting teaching, having completed my PGCE, and of course it kicked against so much of the the mantra of my PGC, which was a good I think it was a good PGCSE, yeah. Canterbury Christchurch. I I I thank the 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 my tutors and and lecturers and and mentors etc from mm. from that course I, and i have no beef with ite and i know there's a whole thing that goes on 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 twitter about ite and 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 yeah. you know the school direct thing and the government vibe at the moment and so forth like anti-ite or whatever or perceived perceived to be anti it um but i, I do think that there was a slight fluffiness to some things that I was taught mm -hmm. on my PGCE, whereas Daisy was sort of the anti-fluff, you know? She was kind of <laughs> busting those myths. But but I, 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 Daisy Christodoulou, the anti-fluff. She should the have anti -fluff. her darts shirt, shouldn't she? Exactly. Daisy, and, and I think I think she, she's a very she's very, very clever. Yeah. And 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 I liked her book and I kind of found it hard to disagree with. Mm -hmm. But there is a part of me, anyone who who follows my meandering blogs or anything that I say on Twitter, you know, I'm a little bit anti-establishment. I'm a little bit like, well, okay but and, and it's partly corrupted by the fact that i teach science i am a scientist and mm. and i kind of know that if you're going to become a scientist and i'm not just a bench chemist who's just titrating stuff but someone who's you know you know thinking deeply about and gluing together bits of information and making decisions and and stuff that that a fundamental underpinning age 14 and 15 in sort of 
covalent bonding and the structure of the atom and so forth. I'm not sure that's what makes us. So, you know, when, when Richard Branson and people get criticized at the moment for, you know, saying we need to get you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and I, I, I agree with the criticism of Branson chipping in and telling us how to do education. He but, absolutely but, can jog on. He, he can jog on. He can jog on. Absolutely, of the jog on camp. Absolutely, but anyone who wants to go to space and, and spend billions on it, yeah, yeah, absolutely jog on. But I do think that there is, the, you know, we 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 plow on with pumping, you know, we we, we plow on with this industrialized system that that because it's easy and it works and 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 and, and frankly, there's not much imagination in politics. Or, or, or even in education, really, because, you know, I think that the point is, I'm going to say, I'm going to pick up on this after some ukulele and after the news, I think. But one, okay. of, one of my persistent myths is that, you know, that school is all about education and the two get conflated. And yeah. actually, actually, you know, yes... So, so, so most of what happens inside a school is education um, yeah. and is educational. But yet... There's a whole host of reasons why schools exist, which is is nothing to do with education, really. Um, yeah. And and so I think that that's we skirt over that, and we become a little bit too. We can become a little bit too sort of serious about you know whether it is you know preparing people for the jobs of the future or this ridiculous statement you know preparing people for the jobs that haven't been invented yet well yeah. you know i don't think einstein's or newton's or whoever to pick some scientists or natural philosophers thinking i don't think their thinking was invented before they went to their their um you know ivory towers or wherever it was they studied so uh, you know i think that's ridiculous but but i do think that we need to be a bit more honest about that and and with with children and parents of children sometimes that you know actually schools are kind of holding zoo it's a safe place it's 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 enabling lots of other things to happen and therefore that's one of the reasons it's so probably chronically uninterested in because you know as long as kids are safe and as long as they're busy as long as there's some sort of mirage of of education going on it's all all right um anyway I think we ought to have a bit of ukulele, Ed. Okay. Um, okay. Ukulele part one. We'll have some more at the end of the show. And then um, and then we'll go to the news and all that malarkey in a moment. Wow, very good, yeah. What have you got for us? Well, I've been, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see there was any other choice, to be honest with you. So, I mean, I'm, I just think people in the, uh, in, the, in, in, in the radio land out there, running down the towpath, walking the dogs, uh, or, you know, driving to work or whatever it is they're doing, I think there's only one song they want to hear. Sirens are screaming and the fires are howling way down in the valley tonight. There's a man in the shadows with a gun in his eye. And a... I've just got to start over. I've got the wrong key there. Sorry. <laughs> oh, come on. Are you going to join in this time, though? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try and join in. But screaming and the fires are howling way down in the valley tonight. There's a man in the shadows with a gun in his eye and a blade shining oh so bright. There's evil in the air, there's thunder in the sky, and the killers on the bloodshot streets. And down in the tunnel where the deadly arise, and I swear I saw a young boy down in the gutter, he was starting to foam in the heat. You ready? Yeah. 
Oh, baby, you're the only thing in this whole world that's pure and good and right. Right. Wherever you are and wherever you go, there's always gonna be some light. But I gotta get out, I gotta break out now before the crack of dawn. We gotta make the most of our one night together When it's over you know we'll both be so alone Like a battered hell when the morning comes When the night is over like a battered hell I'll be gone, 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 gone And like a battered hell I'll be gone when the morning comes And when the day is done and the sun goes down and the moonlight's shining Then like a sinner before the gates of heaven I'll come crawling on back to you Then like a sinner before the gates of heaven are come crawling on back to you. Oh, that was lovely, Ed. I, I'm, oh. you know, Meatloaf R.I.P. Sad a, loss. A great guy. cover. What, what a song. great cover. Um, you've lots of cheers, Ed. I kind of left it to you. I'm not very good on the words and lyrics of Meatloaf songs. I appreciate his majesty. I miss he was unique um, and wonderful. Down, but I don't know the words. But I don't know the words. So well done. That was a really great cover. You knew all the words very well. And I have to go <laughs> that away. Is the bar. <laughs> I am gonna go to the adverts. Yes. The news. That's my favorite. And the tech update. Oh, no, and this, sorry, I think, for bit. those of you who are listening back, this lasts seven minutes and 27 seconds, um, which you can spool through. We'll be back very soon. <laughs> um, don't go away um, or spool through. Here's adverts, news, and tech update. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the the UK and Ireland 
full, free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Prime Minister announced last week that pupils in England no longer needed to wear face coverings in class. And this rule is to be extended to cover school communal areas next week. Boris Johnson is now urging all teachers to follow the rules after some resistance. A spokesman for the Prime Minister said, children have been one of the hardest hit as a result of the disruption throughout the pandemic. And Mr Johnson believes it is vital that children are receiving face-to-face education and can enjoy a normal experience in the classroom. We've been clear that we removed the requirements for face masks to be worn in classrooms and we will remove advice for face masks to be worn in communal areas from January the 27th. The Prime Minister thinks schools should follow the latest guidelines. Pupils who attend John Fletcher of Maidley Primary School in Telford have taken part in activities which are aimed at helping pupils understand about saving energy and reducing their carbon footprint. The activities were coordinated by Telford and Recon Council and March's Energy Agency. Councillor Richard Overton said, Improving energy efficiency is extremely important for households across the borough and can help to lower utility bills, create jobs and stabilise gas and electricity prices. Parent Mrs Pemberton said, We immediately noticed the impact of this session. Conversations at home as a consequence of this presentation have suggested we turn the heating down and wear jumpers and asking whether we really need the lights on and switching these off. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. 
If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in. They signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser, so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. Share collections of links in a meaningful way for free. My favourite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or, if you love whiteboard, Boards, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your classes' whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Oh, Ed, I'm still basking in the glory of your bat out of hell Yuki cover. That was wonderful. That was really, really wonderful. Um, thank you very much. Well, you know, thank you for uh, for tolerating it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to do my sound for again. We're still on the three most. And we're talking about the persistent myths about schooling. Mm. So have you got anything more you want to say on this topic before we go to the question of the week? Ed, I've got a couple more things I'd like to like to mention. Uh, well, let's have yours. Let's have yours. Okay. I think we, you know, we're going to run out of time. Surprise. We are going to run out of time because there's quite a lot to talk on. about on the questions as well. I think. Um, uh, well, I kind of said it before the the news advert, etc. Uh, but I think the what I'm going to, you know, schools' main purpose is to educate. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you know. <laughs> I suppose school's main purpose is to educate, definitely, yes. definitely. Yeah. It's hard but to argue otherwise. Even it's hard to argue otherwise. Lots of other stuff that's going on, and lots of it is very rich. Yeah, but I suppose yeah. it's it's like you were saying, you know, the the thirty in the class. Mm. You know, we, these are things we're tied to, and and also, you know, that wonderful expression that I quite like, which is not particularly politically correct, but, you know, education's wasted on the young, you know? Mm. So so the inefficiency of, let's just take, you know, from with my ex-industrial head on, the, my, um, the inefficiency of maths GCSE, for example. Mm. So, you know, we put children in a classroom together with, with a 29-ish others um, from the age of four, before their fifth birthday, and we start teaching them, and if you know, some of the more affluent middle class professional parents may well have taught them to count and many of their times tables before. But but we kind of teach them to to um, you know we teach them maths for about an hour a day, not quite an hour a day in reception, I don't suppose, but but you know, mm-hmm. an an hour a day 
five days a week, maybe more than that. You know, when we get up into the year five and six, it might be a bit more than an hour a day, five days a week. And then it, then it continues at an hour a day, roughly until about probably 12, 13, 14, and it might go down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, it's just <laughs> when we know that children who find math challenging or are distracted by lots of other things that are right at that moment in time more important to them than maths, um, they can pick it up um, when they want to, when they need to. Nuffield um, Foundation did some research into this. You know, you know, when children are 17, 18, 19, through the worst of adolescence, you know, you, you focus them. And I'm sure there's lots of our contemporaries and colleagues in, in, um, uh, you know, FE, et cetera, yeah. where, you know, you can kind of get through this stuff quite a lot quicker than you can in those 14 years. So it's just, I think there's, there's huge inefficiencies in the system, but those inefficiencies yeah, are tolerated true. because in the greater good, it's, it's, it's yeah. fine. And it's, it's not a production line. It's not a production line. And, and these things change, don't they? I mean, so it's not very long ago that our main, the main method of teaching phonics across the country was, was the letters and sounds scheme. Yes. And no letters and sounds was explicitly designed to be a whole class intervention. It was described as that. So you had all 30 children sitting on the floor learning the same phonics. And, you know, most of them learned to read and, and, and that's fine. And it did work. And it was very boring for my son who could read before he went to school because he had those middle class parents who were very bookish, you know. But he sat, mm. he sat through it and people said it was good for the other children that he was there, you know. And now, and now that's not the main thing. And now you would be frowned on quite, quite firmly if that was what your mate you were you were doing. I think I don't know if Little Wondle uses that model. I kind of doubt it. Read Write Inc is the monolith now, and that's about trying to get your children into as many little groups as you can, and using every tiny little cubby hole around the school to put <laughs> three children with a TA here and four children with a with a volunteer there if you can, if you're allowed volunteers in your school. And do you know what? You know, I, I went to school before phonics and I learned a reason. Yeah. I know that I'm an outlier, but, you know, but I did. Most of us seem to have. I know, you know, it was the different stuff works. Don't yeah, that's right. Don't sit there and, and say that this it, is the holy grail. Yeah, this my phonics, you, phonics didn't. wrong 10 years later. You know, some yeah. people say, oh, it's, it's mostly fashion. It's mostly ritual. It is not evidence-based because you can't run a control. You're never going to run a control, are you? You're not no. Gonna, so well, here's the classroom had no. There are too many control. uncontrolled variables yeah. in in the human being and everything inside yeah. and outside of the classroom. There everything are far too many somewhere. uncontrolled variables. Quite a lot of it works because there's a passionate teacher who believes in it. Often mm. they fool their classes into be passionate believers too. And once you've got that, just about anything happens, you know. That's it. Yeah, I, I agree. One of my first published blogs quite a long time ago, and it's probably buried under a landslide now, was a. An attempt to talk about school improvement with specific reference to Morris dancing, saying, you know, everything's <laughs> going to work somewhere. And if you built a school that was built on Morris dancing and all the staff built, bought in and all the children bought in, it might bring about wonderful things. That doesn't mean <laughs> that it's about the Morris dancing, it's about the belief of the journey, isn't it? Yeah. Journey. Sorry about that. It's a bad word, but anyway. No, the journey. I like journey. I love. I love one of my. I mean, I'm. I'm not the first person to say it, but life is a journey, not a destination. Is is one of my um, personal but philosophies. Of course, they do, don't stop believing as well, don't they? So, don't um, stop believing. Another uh, week. That's great. Sorry. Yeah, do that another time. Um, finally, on this matter, before we go to question mm -hmm. of the week, I wanted to say the other kind of myth, which is, I don't say it but lots of my colleagues uh, and contemporaries across the land do, 
if oh you God, work God. hard, you'll get yeah. good grades, get a great job, oh, and be gloriously happy and fulfilled. Mm. That is one of the greatest myths that permeates through our mm. education system. Now, there's some truth in it, but it's not a universal truth. And, um, you know, uh, so there we go. It's not a million miles away from that thing saying anybody can do anything. The professional footballer says, look, I am the proof that if you work hard enough, you can fulfill your dreams. And you go, no, you are the proof that one in several million can. Yeah. You know, if you work hard enough, you can be president. Well, no, you can't. There's only one at a time and they last four years. There ain't time for everybody to be president. It's not going to happen. No, you know, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you're quite right. Yes. Well, the, the president wants a bit different enough, because you can fly. No, you can't. The, the president wants a bit different. As clearly, we have had some presidents who are utterly unqualified for the job who have <laughs> well, still managed true. to get it. They have um, had other factors which made it easier for them. To get it, <laughs> exactly, say. exactly. Whereas footballers, you do have to have some pretty good foot you have eye to work coordination, hard. and you have and to work that very is... hard. You have to have some innate. innate talent i think some yeah. of it is genetic but you have to i've got a child in my school who's amazing at times tables rock stars the kids think he is amazing like children talk of him as if he's a times table he's god. a times table god yeah well look at the stats he's done more ten he's more than 10 times more practice on times tables rock star than any other child in the school so well, there you go. Him, him why he's so damn quick if you practice 10 times more than anybody else in a school you're gonna get a bit quicker aren't you yes you know and, anyway. but, but he's motivated to practice 10 times yeah. more, presumably because he has some success. So he's if, success. If, and I think that, if uh, he's sort you know, of discalculic and, and parents or teachers have narrated that success to him and they've said, you know, you are, wow, you're amazing at that. I say, wow, you're amazing at that. The kid thinks they are and, and, and believes in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a um, trick. It works. There we go. I think we could talk about that for hours, but I think, yeah. I think, we've, I think we've done it quite well. I think we've, we've think got so. to the... We've I mean, got I'm not to the sure main. We can be the judges of that. I think there's no. people in internet land right now going, "My word, can we yeah. just go have more of that news and tech update, please?" Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Right. I'm going to make a noise. Yes. Question of okay. the week. So it's linked, and I wonder whether this opens up more discussion. Uh, next week but the question which is an, an open-ended one which i'd like to discuss it probably in more detail than the time we have left today but the question is in your in, in your being yeah. the general public but it could be you as well ed yeah. in your school education utopia what pervasive artifact do you fundamentally overhaul first mm -hmm. um now this, I put a survey on the on the internet. And this is our most successful survey that I've posted so okay. far. I think I have had more successful in the past, but 120 votes. So I'm I'm pleased with that. That's um, statistically significant. That's it is. Fine. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, it may be a little echo chamber affected, but it's a. And I gave four options, and of course there are many options, but I gave four options, and the four came in coming in last place with only seven percent. School just to remind you of the question in your school yeah. education utopia, what pervasive artifact do you fundamentally overhaul first? Only seven percent of people said the convention of the classroom. So, whilst we talked about the classroom being suboptimal, mm -hmm. it's what we've got, it's not a big deal, let's leave it alone. So, seven percent of people only care about that. Fourteen percent of people said the structure of the school day. Yeah. Another 14% of people said the narrowness of the curriculum, but a resounding 65% of people said obsession with measurement. 
and presumably comparison and data tracking and all the associated and yeah. league tables, et cetera, et cetera. And your so, question was, which artifact do you fundamentally overhaul first? Now, I can I can overhaul the obsession with measurement tomorrow if I have, you know, the agreement of my uh, of my betters in the trust, because we can just say, let's stop doing this. So that's not hard to do. Changing the structure of the school day is quite hard. You have to go through governors and then, 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 then yeah, it's not very easy. The convention of the classroom, we, we that's how our funding works, is the convention of the classroom. So it yeah. may not, they may have said this is a bigger issue, but it's not one I can deal with first. First, yeah. the measurement. If you're in one of those schools where it's six data drops and then the data drop informs your pay grade and your pay progression, yeah, 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 super toxic. And if we could get rid of the uh, league tables and if we could get rid of um, Ofsted's um, uh, their labelling of schools as, as outstanding and good and so forth. We get rid of the grading. Yeah, we could make a, a big difference to education in this country, couldn't we? We could, and we I've, could. You know, I've, I've got a question. When did you start teaching, Ed? I've got, I've got a question for you because you, you're more, vastly more experienced than me in the in the classroom and also mm. in in the state primary sector. So, yeah. um, when did you first? When did you start teaching? Oh, late, because I did lots of other things first. I, I became a, a full-time teacher within the state system in something like 2003. Okay, so yeah, so that's no, that's 11 years before first. I... Yeah. Okay, but but back then in 2003, mm. and then back in your education, I think, I think I suppose one of the arguments for all the tracking... And data and measurement and and inspection frameworks and so forth, is that there were an awful lot of schools back in the seventies and the eighties doing what the hell they liked, and children weren't being educated very well. I don't know if that's true, but but you know because we couldn't sort of show there was no way of showing whether education was good or bad or indifferent. Um, the assumption was that there was some bad practice and, yeah, and there was... I, I went to a first and middle in rural Surrey, if um, just a little village called South Nutfield outside Red Hill, and we had an incompetent head teacher. And I think I probably saw about the worst of that pre-national curriculum. Teachers could do whatever they liked and there wasn't oversight of it. That was because the head teacher was not driven by the success of the children he didn't he didn't have it on his radar you know and no. he ended up losing his job and being fussed out of it and they got someone better in you know so there were the, there were checks and balances and i saw a a report from the local authorities to send in inspectors so before there was ofsted there was inspection but it was local authority and the school was under the local authority so you know you've got the same organization doing both bits and that isn't really going to work so I think, you know, I think the national curriculum was necessary. And I think some form of ins national inspectorate that was outside the LA probably was necessary. But the, as soon as you do anything, you get the law of unintended consequences, don't you? Yeah. You know, and and, and the, I... The grading is toxic. The fact that you're going to check that schools are doing a decent job is not toxic. Surely you've got to do that. No, absolutely. You know, and it's the same with, you know, SATs isn't... SATS wasn't meant to be what it turned into. It was meant to be a little check at the end of the of the key stage to check that some progress had happened. It wasn't until that was used to make league tables that the whole thing got sick and damaging. So and that, that's for me. That's for me. That that's the that's the real thing. And, and I think this happens in all walks of life. I don't yeah. think it's just in teaching, but I think that's for me the sadness with 
with measurement and tracking in, is that you know, because there's so much accountability, the high stakes thing on whether it's GCSE results or SATs results, they become much bigger than they should be. You know, yeah. I, I think and 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 teachers just you know, it, so the whole thing, the whole system is just it, it's if is it's not. If there's not enough inspire, inspirational, enthusiastic, slightly edgy mavericks amongst the system in the school you work in, then it just becomes it just becomes dull, and yeah. and and it shouldn't be dull. You know, school learning and going to school with your peers when you're still a child shouldn't be a dull experience. I'm not saying it should be fun and partying. I'm not saying that at all. But I just think that that that's what that's what irks me that this measurement and sort of of where you're at when you're 11 uh, but but you know the idea of testing the nation's capability in maths at 11 and and capability in reading and writing at 11 that's not that flawed yeah. the idea of testing them in a few things that they may want to go and study beyond 16 at 16 you know, and, and some basic, you know, national competence in maths and English as well. That's not such a bad idea, but it's just, if, it becomes such a huge thing. Yeah. And so you start looking and so when you inspect things, um, it's a bit like a safety inspection. We used to have safety inspections at Pfizer and at Zeneca, you know, of, of safety. And we have safety inspections in schools as well, of course. Uh, you know, you've got a checklist and you're looking for those checklists, but you're not, you're never looking for the really exciting ideas no. and the practice that maybe is well, outside the I framework think in health and safety that's a good example isn't it because you will have a checklist that will check that the fire doors aren't uh, pinned back and that the yeah the fire extinguishers are uh, within date and so things so forth but your your uh, attention will be drawn to those things because that is what you're looking for and you may miss something which is really quite serious yeah and, and you know I, I don't think i'll talk about it too much but i can think of examples in schools i've worked at where there were really quite dangerous things happening that wouldn't be captured in a self health and safety audit and therefore weren't a problem. If people are interested in this stuff, because we're, we're sort of, we're getting towards the yeah. end. Um, James Pembroke is your man at James. School Pembroke. data updates. School data updates. He's got a new book, which is it's out on the 12th of Feb. So pre-order, it's called Data Proof Your School, How to Use Assessment Data Effectively. It's by James with, um, together with James Self, uh, Richard Selfridge. And um, it captures... I understand. I haven't read it. I haven't seen a proof of it, and I'm not being paid to say it. But um, I believe that it's going to capture a lot of great wisdom. Now, there's stuff we can't control in terms of SATs and you know school um, league tables. We can't do anything about that. We have to just live with it. But in terms of the practice within our schools, there's a lot of wisdom that James has to share. And if the book is as good as I think it will be, I reckon it's a must-read for uh, certainly for for the school leaders and for governors. Also for the for the person in the classroom who needs to be able to understand what is happening when you're letting your streams of data, you know, if your summative assessment gets confused with your with your um, appraisal assessment and one one gets mistaken for the other, then your curriculum is going to get bent, bent out of shape very quickly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, buy um, the buy the book and read it. We'll we'll both buy it. We'll read it. We'll talk about it in a future episode, maybe. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I think um, there's more we can talk about. I'd like to pick up on on some of these other aspects of question of the week next week. So yeah. the um. I, because I did a sub-survey, narrowness of curriculum, 
structure of the school day. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of those things maybe next week. And then after that, we might talk about walking and things ahead of half term yes. and, and something a little less educational. But we'll we'll have another educationally focused show next week. We'll have um some uh you know Ed and I's guide, yours and my guide to to getting in the great outdoors in 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 the February half term and and where some great places to walk in Kent, Sussex, Devon, mm-hmm. London, etc. Um, and so we'll talk about that in the future. But it is time; we're running out of time. But Ed, have you got something Yuki out? Mm-hmm. We can overrun a little bit. Um, what are you going to play us out for you this see, week? I with? was going to do um, I was going to do hurt by Nine Inch Nails for you. Yes, that was, that was my intention. But, I, but but you mentioned your trip oh. to see the Bowie. So um, yes, and I think I think we can do this one. And you'll know this one, so you will be. I might not know to, all the uh, words. Join in, I think. Ground control to Major, Major Tom. Ground, Ground control, control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills, Team pills and, and put your, put helmet, your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Commencing countdown engines on. Check ignition and may God's love be with you. This is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made the grade. And the papers want to know, to know whose who shirts you wear. And it's time to leave, leave the, capsule the capsule if you dare. This is Major Tom, Major Tom to, ground to ground control. control. Stepping through the door. And I'm floating in, in the most peculiar way. And the stars look very, very different, different today. For here I am I floating in my tin, tin can of the earth. Planet Earth is blue, is blue and there's nothing, there's that nothing I can, I can do. do. I think we'll have to stop there, won't we? Yeah. Oh, Ed. Bit, you know, he didn't play that in his Glastonbury show. I think he. I think he renounced. We didn't renounce it, but I think he. He he played Life on Mars. He played a lot of lot of hits, yeah. and it, somewhat reluctantly uh, when he was rehearsing for it, because um, yeah. there were some notes on his diary in the build up to to the to the event at the at the show, um, and so yeah. Anyway, um, six years ago he died, and he would have been seventy five this year, David Bowie. So David okay. Bowie, R.I.P. Meatloaf, yeah. R.I.P. Ed, you've been lovely. I love chatting to you on the radio. I love the fact that we've had some dedicated listeners. And I hope all of those you who listen on Catch Up enjoy the show as well. We'll be with you next week to dig deeper a bit into some of these um, things that we might change, we would like to change in an edutopia. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Uh, take care. Ed, speak to you next week. Well, my friend, speak soon. Have a good week, everybody. See you later. Bye. Bye-zy-bye. bye You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio 
Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.